Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Star Blades. Myself, Steve Jones, James Shield, our Sheffield United correspondent, and Danny, our other Blades reporter. Chaps, you just come out of the press conference, fresh from the international break. How was um how was Hecky? Uh is that to me, Steve or Danny? Yeah, go on, James. He starts yeah. off. No, he uh, he he seemed uh quite upbeat, ready to go, said he'd had a nice break in London, back to the future. Did uh, did recommend everybody goes to uh, see that show in case uh, in case they haven't already. Must admit, and he looked utterly disgusted when I when I told him this. I've not even seen the film, uh, let alone the let alone the West End production. But no, I don't suppose most people listening to this will be wanting to know uh, Paul Heckingbottom's uh, musical <laughs> musical recommendations. They'll be more interested in. In how Sheffield United have fared over the international break. Couple of sort of takeaways, if you want to call it that. Billy Sharp, he says he's touch and go, got an opportunity to play against Stoke City this weekend. Sheffield United's captain obviously got a hamstring injury against Barnsley before the international break. Uh, some of those players who have been away on international duty. Paul Eckingbottom said that a couple of those have come back with knocks. Uh, but he didn't actually divulge the identities of those players, uh, which sort of runs with the with the theme that he's been uh, he's been using over the past couple of weeks. Understandably, uh, can be frustrating at times, but understandably, with Sheffield United pushing for a promotion, he doesn't want to give uh, too much away to the opposition. And he also confirmed that Yurimovic, the uh, the new signing who, of course, came in during the international break, that he has uh, completed his first training session with his with his new teammates. So, other than that, all good. A little bit on contracts as well, but I'm sure we'll get onto that in a moment. Yeah, just on on Billy Sharp, Danny. It sounds like it could well be appearance from the bench rather than a starting spot uh, against Stoke. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, Billy's such a, you know, nobody listening to this podcast or watching this video needs us to tell them, you know, how important Billy Sharp is to the, uh, the Sheffield United cause, you know. For weeks now, we've kind of been saying amongst the, the massive, you know, piling injury crisis that, you know, as long as, you know, Billy Sharp and possibly Morgan Gibbs-White stay relatively fit and healthy, you know, there's still a chance. And then when Billy went down against, uh, <laughs> against Barnes, I think we all kind of breathed the collective a collective side, didn't we? But yeah, you know, you can't overstate Billy's importance. Uh, if you know the, the coaching staff will, they're not daft. You know, they know they know the game, they know Billy, they know his fitness, and Billy does as well. You know, that's the most important thing that came out of the of the Barnes game for me. You know, that Billy was intelligent enough, uh, selfless enough, and experienced enough, really, to say, you know what, lads, you know, I've done something here, get me off before it gets any worse. Uh, because you know, if you know, if he was ruled out for the rest of the season, you know, that'd be a massive blow. So the, the fact that, you know, it doesn't seem quite as uh, bad as, you know, it was perhaps first feared the injury, you know, can only be good news. Uh, and, you know, the medical team, you know, they'll all work together to uh, to make sure that he's not, you know, overworked and risking, you know, that's, that's the key thing, isn't it? Don't do anything daft, you know, as important as he is for this weekend. There's absolutely no point running him into the ground against Stoke and risking it becoming a season-ending injury. So, you know, they're the coaching staff are experienced and, you know, they know enough about the game. They've been around the block long enough to know that, you know, it, it is a it's a mini-season, isn't it? Eight games now. 
that is the season in a microcosm. Um, you know, Billy's vital to that. And if he can play, you know, five, seven of those games, you know, from the start, that'll be a massive boost for United. So, yeah, he uh, sounds like he'll be involved. You know, reading between the lines, sounds like he, you know, I'd be surprised if he wasn't in the squad. Based on what we've been told today by uh, Bo Heckenbottom, uh, and yeah, you know, such a such a key man that can only be that can only be good news. Definitely. Are we expecting anyone else back this weekend, James? Who, who's been on the sidelines recently? It uh, doesn't sound like it. George Baldock, I would imagine, will be involved. He was very close to to playing against Barnsley. Uh, he was one of those players that Paul Ackenbottom said had stuck his hand up for for duty, but he didn't feel that it was it was right for him to to be involved. Ollie McBurney was another one of those uh, who did that. He obviously came on against Barnsley. Uh, not too overwhelmingly popular acclaim, it's got to be said, which was uh, which was a shade disappointing. Uh, touched on that on my uh, on my column today. So little uh, little plug for that there. I think we can be forgiven for that on our own podcast, can't we? Uh, but. I'd, I'd, Charlie Good is still not available. I think uh, Paul said Ben Davis was was in and around the squad again, didn't he, Danny? Yeah. Uh, but Chris Basham's still out. There's there's still a hell of a lot of players out at Sheffield United, and I think when you look at how tight that that race for the for the playoffs is, I think the top two in the division have gone now. But when, when you when you look at how tight that is, only six points separating United in fifth. And they're still within touching distance of third place, but only only six points separating them from Coventry City in eleventh. And when you consider how Sheffield United were beaten uh, down at City not so long ago, you can see just how sort of unpredictable this most unpredictable of divisions is this season. I don't think they can afford to be without Billy Sharp for any more than one game between now. And the and the end of the regular season, I think they simply need to uh, to get Billy out there. But it it is really difficult to predict because, as I touched on earlier, Paul. It sounds like I'm being critical, and I'm not. But it's it's an observation. Paul, by his own admission, hasn't always been exactly truthful. If I can use that's maybe the wrong word to use because I'm not accusing him of telling any lies. Because he hasn't, but he's not always given us the whole truth when it comes to injuries of late. Chris Basham, I think we've mentioned before, has been a fortnight now from recovering from injury for about the past two, three fortnights. (laughs) Now, they know exactly how long Chris is going to be out for, but they obviously don't want to tell us. They don't want to tell us because they don't want us reporting it. And they don't want opposition managers and coaching staff knowing that. And I think it goes to show just how seriously Sheffield United are taking this issue now about trying to keep their team selections a little bit quiet, a little bit under wraps, is that in normal circumstances, things like this would have leaked out. But nobody at Sheffield United is talking about when some of these players are likely to come back. None of these players are talking about if Charlie Good is likely to come back anytime soon. He's obviously gone back to Brentford for, for treatment. So that, that's a little indication about just how small the margins for error are. Just Sheffield United recognise there is no 
Rome for manoeuvre now at the top of the table. They need Billy Sharp out there in some capacity. We mentioned uh, Ollie McBurney. Danny, do you think do you think he can still be a, a top player for Sheffield United and a regular goal scorer, crucially, in, say, Sharp's absence, whether it's uh, next season or, or beyond that? Yeah, I don't Season that essentially earned him the move to United, don't we? Where he banged him left goals, left, right, and sent Wednesday. Um, and you know, we've touched on this before, haven't we, James? That Ollie's kind of been a little bit of a victim of of circumstance almost, in that he's been almost moulded into a player that he isn't, if that makes sense, in terms of United. Because, you know, we all know why, you know, United, United came to the Premier League and, you know, they didn't expect to dominate games and they thought that. A sort of big target man kind of player would be needed and Ollie sort of you know was given that role wasn't it and almost told to kind of mold himself and I think you know we said before sacrifice a lot of himself for Sheffield United so I, I always cringe a little bit when I see you know people was referring to his kind of goal tally you know in terms of you know goals and games which is not a you know a He's not being prolific for Sheffield United by any by any stretch, but I think you have to kind of put that in context a little bit in terms of the the sort of battles that he's had with opposition centre halves and the kind of the work he's done for the team. You know, it's not just his game's not just about putting the ball in the back of the net, but that is, having said that, you know, that is the most important thing. So I think he, you know, he obviously has that ability, you know, to score goals in this division. Uh, I think whether he has had the opportunity consistently to do that for Sheffield United in the Championship. He obviously hasn't in terms of that run of games because he hasn't had a, you know, so injuries and COVID and Billy Sharp's form, he's not really had that chance to, to play six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row and kind of get that form, get something going for himself. Um, so I understand to a certain extent the frustration of supporters, but, you know, there's no doubt in that he has ability. And he's, he's shown that in flashes, you know, the assist against Barnsley was was a bit of brilliance, wasn't it? You know, if, if that's the other way around, Morgan gives White plays that pass to to someone like Billy or Ollie. You know, it, it's played on repeat, isn't it, over the international break? And, you know, United fans are falling over themselves about it. Um, so that was a little indication that it still has that bit of quality. Um, I just think he needs, you know, persevering with, perhaps nurturing a little bit. And he needs that run of games like every striker does, you know, when you're when you're getting ten minutes here and there and expected to go on and make a difference, you know, sometimes it can be it can be difficult. Uh, and you know, James touched on his touched on his column earlier. I've given it a read and it is actually it, I think it is a nail on the head, really. You know, I don't know what purpose booing your own players serves. I've never been a big one for that. Um, you know, the opposition players, fair enough, because you know that, that's part of the the tribalism of sport, isn't it? And you know, there's been a fair few opposition players I've booed during my time as a as a Blades fan on the touchlines on this in the stands. Sorry, so you know, I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and say it shouldn't happen. But I think your own players in that red and white shirt, I think you know, they deserve backing during the game. You know, outwardly booing them, I think, is a little bit counterproductive. I don't know what it would achieve. Uh, and you know, like we said, Ollie Ollie sacrificed a lot of himself for the team, um, but when he has had you know, he showed those little flashes of quality. The goals have not come, you know, as often as he would have liked, probably by his own ambition. But yeah, he can, you know, I think he showed he can do it. Uh, and the you know, the question now, I suppose, between now and the end of the season is whether he can. Uh, or whether he will, sorry, whether he will. 
Yeah, I, I think as well, going back to the original question, can Ollie McBurney score goals for Sheffield United? First, I'd say, listen, he's a striker. He's got to score more goals. There's no point in dressing it up. He, he has to score more goals. But I think it's also important to make the point that Sheffield United have got a role to play in this as well. Because I'm convinced Ollie McBurney can score goals for Sheffield United on a regular basis, providing Sheffield United give him the opportunity to do that. And that's not to say that he's being used incorrectly at the moment. It, he's obviously being used in a way that the coaching staff feel brings something to the group and provides something to the squad that Sheffield United desperately need. But if they want Ollie McBurney to be a regular goal scorer, they're going to have to start playing in a manner that provides him with the opportunities that he needs to score goals. Because I can remember a few that he's missed recently. I can remember a few missed chances from Ollie McBurney. But I can also remember watching Didier Drogba, who I think it's fair to say possibly even, even as old as he is now would walk into a hell of a lot of championship teams. I can remember watching him miss some terrible chances as well. The, the difference was that he was receiving about four or five of those a game and he was probably scoring three or four of them. But Sheffield United have a role to play in this. And I, I another gratuitous plug, I'm, I'm sorry for that, but I had a good chat with Carla Saba about this. And he almost did like a, a reprofiling exercise on Ollie McBurney and suggested that some of his critics should do the same. Now, we're not the thought police here. We're not telling anybody what they have to think and what they should and shouldn't do within a ground. But Carl made a couple of really interesting points about when Ollie McBurney was bought, the situation Sheffield United were in at the time, what was expected of him and how to be able to get the best out of him. And, and, and a key theme running through everything Carl was saying was should we actually view Ollie McBurney as an out-and-out goal scorer? And his answer was possibly, was well, it wasn't possibly, it was, it was no. Or should we regard him as someone who can chip in with a few goals, but can also provide another invaluable service for the team? I'm not going to go into too much detail, because hopefully some people will actually read it. You've got to tease some of it, yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth a read. It's interesting, because, I mean, Carl's, I was never a striker, even at the god-awful level that I played at. But, you know, I mean, somebody like Carl has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. So it was it was interesting to hear him sort of talk about the, the Ollie McBurney issue, if you want to call him that. And also, because Carl has been critical of players in the past, and he was he was critical of some players who have only just left the football club in his in his conversation with me. So he's not someone who, he's, he's not a nodding dog. He's not someone who's just going to sort of say everything at Sheffield United is great and everyone is performing wonderfully and everyone is doing everything that they can. He didn't. So that's why I think his words when it comes to Wally McBurney and how he should be viewed and perhaps some of the support he should get, I think they carry a little bit more weight. Yeah, definitely. Moving on, obviously, eight games to go. A lot of home games within that. Danny, surely that's only a good thing. Yeah, obviously. We've talked about United's home record, haven't we? They've not lost October, I think it is. I'm right in, uh, in that. Um, you know, it builds a massive amount of confidence there. You know, it, it has got 
think Ollie Norwood touched on this in the international break. We did a piece on this. They have kind of built up that formidable, you know, kind of feel at home, haven't they? Where it is a tough place to come again, Bramall Lane. I think they lost a little bit of that early in the season with some of the results where teams who traditionally, you know, would not, you know, fear coming to Bramall Lane, you know, they'd see it as a very difficult game. Or perhaps looking at it and going, you know what, we can cause a bit of damage here to these because they're a, you know, almost a wounded animal kind of situation. Um, but yeah, I think they've got a little bit of that fear factor back, for want of a better phrase, you know, where teams will not fancy coming to Bramall Lane. Um, I think the crowd plays a big part in that when when they do get going and when, you know, something usually goes against them to, to wake them up a little bit, you know, it can be a very formidable place to play football. And, if, you know, every football club, you know, in the land would prefer to play home than away, I think, you know, in terms of the backing that you get and the, the kind of way the game pans out. Uh, like in what I said today, that the away games they've got left will be a slightly different challenge in terms of, you know, the, the teams at home, Stoke and QPR and Bristol City will come out slightly more at home and try and beat them. Maybe that'll play into United's hands, make it a, bit, a little bit more of an open game if the Blades need to pick up results away from home. Uh, but it gives you that that platform, doesn't it? You know, again, Ollie Norwood said in the break, let's try and win all five. You know, why not? Why not go there? I don't think they will, uh, purely just because of the teams that they have still to come to Bramall Lane. Uh, but yeah, just the, the occasions themselves, you know, QPR, another team in and around the top six, you know, Bournemouth, who were looking to, to get over the line themselves. And then that final day, you know, game against Fulham at home, that could be a, a mouth-watering one, hopefully they've been on the beach for, you know, their, their long promoter, aren't they? Long title winners. Uh, hopefully they've won it by quite a few weeks and can get a little bit by the time to come, to come to Bramall Lane because that could be a... With how the kind of playoff race is shaping up, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it went down to that to that final day um, and it will be, you know, there'll be no tougher game than, than facing the runaway leaders. So, um, yeah, the fact that five of the eight are at home can only be a good thing you don't know no one's going to try and dress it up any different um but yeah sorry Jim were you gonna no I was I was just gonna say yeah everybody club together and send a, a, a crate of champagne down to every Fulham player <laughs> a crate of champagne that has got a sell-by date that runs out the night before they're due to come to Bramall Lane so let's let, let's all have a whip round because if you get a number up to donate on the bottom of this <laughs> Uh, but it's it's interesting without without being stupid about it, without being too daft. I mean, the, the race for the playoffs at the moment. Listen, it's it it's tighter than a glam rocker's spandex, isn't it? At the moment, there's there's no doubt about it. There's your title, Steve. I'm yeah. showing my age there, but and, <laughs> and I never wore it, by the way. But in a in a stupid sort of way, I do suspect. And the question was put to Paul today, what's going to decide this, this race for the top six? And clearly, one of the answers to that is talent. Clearly, another answer to that is ability. But it was put to him, will Bottle decide it? Well, I'm not so sure it will, though, because I think every player, I think most professional footballers have got a fair bit of Bottle about them. We already know that a lot of the players involved in this race have been promoted before. So they've all got bottle about them as well. That's not to say that other players further down the division haven't got bottle and guts and fight. 
because they have just so happens that the ones at the top have got all of that and a little bit more ability and perhaps cohesion behind the scenes. But strangely, I think because it is so close, because it is so tight, I think what's going to help decide this, it won't decide it on its own, but what is definitely going to help decide it is the ability to cope with disappointment. Because even a draw at the moment is going to be greeted with this sort of wringing of hands and, and gnashing of teeth, isn't it? And it's going to seem like the world's caved in, especially if Middlesbrough win or QPR win or Luton win or Coventry City win or, you know, the, the, the list goes on, doesn't it? But it's just going to be able to, I think what's going to be so key is the ability to park that and just move on to the next game and respond in a, in a positive way. Disappointment, whether footballers like to admit it or not, whether fans like to admit it or not, whether we like to admit it or not, disappointment and setbacks are part of professional sport. Most footballers will experience more disappointment than they will success in their careers. It's how you deal with that. And that is going to be absolutely vital for Sheffield United between now and the end of the season. Because, like Danny said, I'd love to see them win all of their remaining eight games, but I don't actually think they, they will do. And if they do, listen, they deserve to go up. Yeah, definitely. Just one final talking point. The accounts were released today. Um, which one of you had the misfortune of, of having to, to sift through that document? And, uh, and can you tell what the top lines, Danny? I mean, the good news is... There's still going to be a Sheffield United FC Limited next season. Uh, a £10 million profit, was it? That was me pointing at James, by the way, not me putting my hand up. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't me. James, it fell to you then. Yeah, it's... Listen, accounts, it's, it's the same with everything in football, isn't it? I think you'll view these accounts positively if you're an admirer of, of what the board is trying to do. You'll view them in a negative light if you're not so sure about what the board is going to do. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there was a slight decrease in things like profit, but still a profit, as as you would expect during the, the COVID pandemic. I think the most intriguing thing for me was the, the £20 million or just over £20 million reduction in the wage bill. Now, bearing in mind, that was a £20 million reduction from the first season in the Premier League to their second season in the Premier League last season. That, that that was interesting. Now, I was told that was because they didn't actually have to pay any retention bonuses. But I thought that was that, that was interesting to see that. Uh, possibly gave you a little insight into why relations between the board and a and a previous manager were sort of became so fraught towards the end of, of, of his reign. But then on the flip side, you could turn around and say, listen, great, Sheffield United are getting costs under control. I think the only issue I'd have with that is that, listen, over the course of a two, three, four years, if Sheffield United are going to establish themselves at the highest level, they're going to have to get that going on, a, on an upward trend, be it either on the amount of money that they're actually paying to their players or the amount of money that they're funneling into a scouting system to enable to them get you know to get players maybe on lower wages and for lower transfer costs, but you know clubs like Brentford who, who do it superbly well, clubs like Atalanta who do it superbly well in Italy, they spend a hell of a lot of money on scouting. They spend a hell of a lot, but then I suppose you could argue. A good scouting system, as expensive as it is, is a damn sight less expensive than uh, three, four, five mistakes in the transfer market. 
Fair point. I think that leaves us uh, there for this week. It's a Saturday, Tuesday, so there's going to be bags of content on the Star website. Make sure you check out the star.co.uk forward slash Sheffield United for all the latest Blades news. Cheers.